Well, I can't wait to meet our host. I hear this is only one of his beat parties. Stay positive, the love will come back to me. Stay positive, the love will come back to me. Stay positive, the love will come back to me. Stay positive, the love will come back to me. Hey, welcome to True to To Lie uh, with me. The house is, the kids are spending the night out, and I've been drinking Long Island teas because I got confused about what teas I drink, and I drank the wrong kind. And I mean, they tasted okay, but I feel, I don't feel like me. And if I if I were to make a Bachelor of Science college education guess, I think I drank alcohol. And so, like I typed out, I didn't type shit. I uh, copy-pasted out this episode's subject on musical solos probably before last weekend. It's been at least a week. And it's just been sitting here on the notepad on the computer screen ready to go. And I've already... fell off into a song that I'm going to use at the end, which is my favorite thing to do, really, besides talk. Um, Did I say true to to lie? Because only a drunk person would say that. It's too true to lie. And I have to be honest... I'm not drunk. I have not been drinking Long Island iced teas. That's the truth. I've been drinking my same old Arizona green tea with honey. I just felt like opening up and fooling (laughs) y'all. And uh, it's not out of malice. There's no ill will in me doing this. I just kind of did it. I guess because I'm home alone on a Saturday night with the kids spending the night out at different places. So it's a night where I can do a podcast episode and watch whatever dirty movies I want. They're not... They're not dirty, dirty. And uh, stay up as late as I want, which I kind of do anyway. And uh, the dogs, I got two dogs here tonight. They may come in here after they get done with their little uh, chew bone treats that I gave them to occupy their jaws somewhere else in this house. While I do this little hobby 
of my podcast. Anyway, I've talked long enough about all the unimportant things. I got to slide over here because the... Uh, why is it way over there? My my computer screen is really wide. This thing... Oh, there it goes. It wasn't going to move for me. Uh, it's too white. I'm going to have to wear my readers. My, I had to roll to the right because where my uh, notepad information was was a foot further away than it needed to be. I feel like I'm slurring anyway. Huh. There's there's no specific reason. I was outside a little a minute ago and I live in the country and it's dark and the moon is nearly full and the air is nice and cool. And I probably was breathing the freshest oxygen-rich air that you can get in my area. And maybe it just kind of made me a little high. (laughs) Or maybe I'm not high. I'm not drunk. I'm just me being me. If you if you listen to me enough, you can handle me being me. If you listen once, don't listen anymore, then you don't hear this anyway. And you don't like me. And that reminds me of a Bond Mellon song, Tones of Home. It's not my fault, it's your fault that you don't like me. But that's okay. So, now that I've wasted two extra minutes, on top of the three and a half minutes that I wasted, let's get into musical solos. Dang it, let me clear my nose first. <clears throat> In music, a solo is a piece or section of music played by a single performer who may be performing completely alone or is supported by other musicians in the early days, such as a piano or an organ or something called a continuo group which would be in baroque music you have to look that up it's not this and it's not the uh ebonics baroque like my car is baroque it's b-a-r-o-q-u-e baroque music um a continuum group or the rest of a choir orchestra band or ensemble but the performing of a solo is too solo And the performer is known as a soloist. I'm glad we got that straight. Now, the plural of solo is sola, S-O-L-I, an anglicized form of solos. Uh, In some contexts across the ocean, the terms are interchangeable. But actually, sola tends to be restricted to classical music and mostly either the solo performers or the solo passages are of a single piece. Also, the word sola can be referred to a small number of simultaneous parts of music assigned to single players in an orchestrational composition. Um, 
basically we're we're hammering out what solo is where it came from and it's from early early music uh out of Europe going back ooh, the 16th century it looks like an instrumental solo is often used in popular music during a break or a bridge to add interest and variety to a part of a song without lyrics. It can have lyrics. We know this, right? So what are some of the instruments that most popular or well-known solos are performed on? Well, early on, the classical guitar solo concert was typically called a recital. It included a variety of works that were originally written for the lute or the vihuela, which were early stringed instruments, by composers such as John Dowland, who was from Ireland, who first did it in 1563, or Luis de Narvaez of Spain in 1500, who wrote, he was writing early guitar solo pieces. Um, a soloist named Silvius Leopold Weiss of Germany in 1687 wrote one for the lute, a Baroque lute. And Robert de Vissi in 1650 in France wrote one for a Baroque guitar. The guitar is not broken. Baroque. K-B-A-R-O-Q-U-E. Look it up. I'm not doing it. This last name sounds familiar. Uh, Spanish-inspired music written for the piano by Isaac Albaniz, which makes me think Albaniz, but that's Alvarez, my bad, uh, of Spain in 1860, and Enrique Granados of Spain in 1867 um, were early... Spanish guitar soloist. Now, of music written originally by, for guitar, the earliest influential composers came from the classical period, which includes Fernando Sor of Spain, 1778, Mauro Gigliani of Italy, 1781, and it is noted that their music can be seen to be potentially influential by Viennese classicism, which would be German. Or, uh, what was that country that was next to Germany, but was Austria, possibly Austria. So now we're gonna jump forward to the, looks like 20th century. The term guitar solo often refers to the electric guitar solos played in blues and then later rock Music. The use of a guitar solo as an instrumental interlude was developed by blues musicians such as Lonnie Johnson, John Lee Hooker, Muddy Waters, and T-Bone Walker. And a man named Charlie Christian did it with jazz as far as guitar solos. And he was the man, as were the previous names mentioned. Ernest Tubbs, 1940 honky-tonk classic, Walking the Floor Over You was the first, quote, hit recording. (laughs) 
Button is doing a water drinking solo. Oh, and it had an interlude in between parts. Were you thirsty? <laughs> All right, let me find where I were. The first hit recording to feature and highlight a solo by a standard electric guitar. Though earlier hits did feature electric lap steel guitars, which would be uh, glaringly the steel guitar player for uh, Bob Wills, who was pre-World War II. He was already famous by the time World War II came around. Bob Wills would be such a good episode on its own about how he matched the big band music of swing that was so popular in the 1940s. He was already doing it with a country flair, so to speak. And he was as famous as all the big band players of New York, Chicago, Los Angeles. And he came out of Texas. He played those cities too. And he played his music the way he had it played. And it was amazing. I love Bob Will's music. Uh, you would think some blues music before 1940 recorded had some solos, but maybe they didn't. Maybe they just played their chords and licks and sang and kept it simple. Interesting. Hey, Poncho. So, in the blues vein of music, we have Howlin' Wolf, Muddy Waters, Willie Dixon, and Jimmy Reed, who played Chicago-styled music, blues music, with the use of electric guitar, sometimes using a slide, a harmonica, and a rhythm section of bass and drums. That was your basic blues band. In the late 1950s, a new blues style emerged on the west side of Chicago, pioneered by people such as Magic Sam, Buddy Guy, and Otis Rush on Cobra Records. This west side sound had strong rhythmic support from a rhythm guitar, bass guitar, and drums, and as perfected by Guy, Freddie King, Magic Slim, and Luther Allison was dominated by amplified electric lead guitar with solos. This, this would be in live acts and later recorded, usually on record. Other blues artists, such as John Lee Hooker, had influences not directly related to the Chicago style. John Lee Hooker's blues is more personal, based on Hooker's deep, rough voice accompanied by a single electric guitar. That, and he was from Rolling Fork, Mississippi, of the Mississippi Delta. He was a Delta bluesman from the beginning. John Lee Hooker lived in England most of his life. Maybe in London? He, uh... I think he had some bad experiences in the uh, segregated South time frame. No, computer. You may not do that. All right, fixed. And uh, though he toured and recorded and spent time in Chicago, he preferred to live, I, I believe it was in England. Maybe France, but I, I want to say England. He outlived a lot of these blues players, too. 
Um, so the previous mentioned blues artists and other blues guitarists inspired the appearance of many virtuoso blues rock fusion soloists. And apparently, and I'm thinking what I'm trying to say is white people, uh, it began around 1963 with Lonnie Mack's first big recordings. Lonnie Mack might have been black, and maybe I'm wrong. I don't know much about Lonnie Mack. I've heard of him. He was a pioneer. Jimi Hendrix, who was playing music at this time, he just was the guitarist in someone else's band, is known as a psychedelic guitarist. I guess that's what they say. And a pioneer in the use of distortion and audio feedback with his music. He obviously played a lot of solos. Through these artists and others, blues music influenced the development of rock music and rock solos, which are, you know, famous now in metal bands and rock bands. You know, you have your lead guitarist in a band and a rhythm guitarist usually that backs it up. Another important blues rock guitar soloist from the 60s was Eric Clapton, which led to another Texas rock blues style guitar playing, Stevie Ray Vaughan in the 1970s, who played both solo and rhythm roles in his songs and music. Now let's step it up. The earliest rock guitar solos as exemplified by popular recordings of Dwayne Eddy and Link Ray in the late 1950s were relatively simple instrumental melodies, but nonetheless solos in guitar. In the early 60s, surf music derived on the West Coast bringing a step forward in the sonic complexity of rock guitar melodies. In 1963, the dramatic, technically advanced electric guitar solo rose with Lonnie Mack's hit records Memphis and Wham, which were later covered by The Ventures and Steve Ray Vaughan, among others. And soon this led to the advent of blues rock and psychedelic rock in the late 60s, and these solos became a characteristic part of rock music. Even later, guitar solos became a defining feature of the rock genre of heavy metal. Wow, we jumped straight to heavy metal? In which most songs featured a solo or two. Metal solos often showcase the virtuosity of the guitarist, especially in metal style that use a shred guitar technique for rapid playing of scales and arpeggios, which is basically taking your classical guitar music scales, amplifying it, distorting it, and playing fast. Now in classic verse chorus form, it often falls between the second chorus and third verse, where the solo, guitar solo would tip typically be. Extended guitar solos are sometimes used as a song's outro, such as Christopher Cross's Ride Like the Wind, or Radiohead's Paranoid Android, or Leonard Skinner's Freebird, which is a huge buildup. 
the Stooges, I Want to Be Your Dog, did it. Pink Floyd's Comfortably Numb did it. Guns N' Roses' November Rain did it. Metallica's Fade to Black. Led Zeppelin's Black Dog. Journey's Who's Crying Now, never heard it. The Colts' Love Removal Machine, that sounds strange. The Beatles' While My Guitar Gently Weeps, who actually was, that was played by Eric Clapton, if y'all didn't know that, the uh, guitar solo. Um, on the uh, asking of George Harrison, and which is which is ironic maybe, but odd because George Harrison and uh, I just said his name, Eric Clapton, had this riff over the same woman. But I think both of them were married to her at one time. One stole them from the other, and then one stole her back. And she just kind of... And she didn't really seem that gorgeous to me in the pictures, but she must have had some sort of uh, lock on these men that could have anyone they wanted, just about. Not practically. Not literally. Stop licking me, dog. It's just shorts. Ah. Um, oh, there's more songs? Wait, that that end in a guitar solo? Okay, Hold On Loosely, 38 Special. Sway by the Stones, Pearl Jam's Alive, Red Hot Chili Peppers' Danny California, Cream's White Room, ACDC's Let There Be Rock, The Outlaws' Green Grass and High Tides, The Alan Parsons Project, Eye in the Sky and the Eagles Hotel, California, which is, that that's a good ending. Uh, solos, such as guitar solos, as we are talking about at the moment, can take place as the intro, such as Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix, Since I've Been Loving You by Led Zeppelin, One by Metallica, Lazy by Deep Purple, I Want It All by Queen, Johnny Be Good by Chuck Berry, don't Take Me Alive by Steely Dan. Sales of Sharon by Scorpions. Not my favorite band. Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. But that's acoustic. And in rare cases, the guitar solo may come after the first chorus instead of the second, such as Beast and the Harlot by Avenged Sevenfold. The Importance of Being Idle by Oasis. Not my favorite band. And Black Summer by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Now, there was something in there. Led Zeppelin, one of the most famous rock bands, singers, guitarists, drummers, not so much the bass player, although he was equal part of the band. Most of their music came from Delta Blues. And they had to pay off before, during or even after the release of songs that pulled directly from blues songs from Delta Bluesmen. Um, out of Mississippi, mostly Mississippi, some around other states, but mostly Mississippi bluesmen. Um, and they paid because they made a ton of money. But... Uh, it's just hard when you know this to think of Led Zeppelin as an original band when they just 
copy-pasted blues songs and made them rock songs through their guitar player. But everybody loves them, so that's okay. I can't listen to their songs anymore. I've heard them a million times. You know, there's a few I still like and want to listen to. But if you play Stairway to Heaven, the last thing you're going to see is the back of my head leaving to go outside and wait for the next song or whatever. Or I'll go to the bathroom or <laughs> just sit there on the top of the commode. Anyway, that was a, a bizarre area for me to go if I don't like a song. I probably would not do that. Now, we're going to jump from guitars, which is what everyone accustoms to solo music or solo musical pieces played, and talk a little bit about bass solos. They're performed with a range of techniques, such as plucking the strings, finger-picking the strings, slapping the strings with all your fingers or just your thumb. In the 1960s, the Who's bassist, John Entwistle performed a bass break on the song My Generation using a plectrum. I do not know what that is. Though he intended to use his fingers, he simply couldn't drop the plectrum enough, quickly enough to get to the bass solo. So he used the plectrum. Is a plectrum a pick? I don't know what a plectrum is, y'all. You're going to have to look that up, too. Uh, many aficionados consider that bass solo as the first bass solo in rock music. John Paul Jones of Led Zeppelin had one on Good Times, Bad Times, the first song on their first album. And he used two bass solos, actually, in influentially dynamic ways. Queen's bassist John Deacon occasionally played bass solos like Under Pressure or the song Liar. In the 70s, Aerosmith's bassist Tom Hamilton played a bass intro on the song Sweet Emotion. It was basically the same thing over and over. Is that a solo? From their album Toys in the Attic. The best bassists are funk bassists. They slap and pop. Larry Graham began using slapping and popping techniques for his bass solos, which coupled a percussion thumb slapping technique of the lower strings while still finger snapping or plucking the higher strings, often in a rhythmic alternation. The slapping and pop popping technique incorporates a large number of muted or ghost tones to normal notes to add to the rhythmic effect. Slapping and popping solos were prominent in 80s pop and rhythm and blues, and they are still used by some 2000-era funk and Latin bands. They were used before with funk, and they're still used with funk. Bass guitar solos have a much lighter accompaniment than solos for other instruments due to the low range of the bass sound. The bass guitar solo can also be unaccompanied or accompanied with the drums since they are they work together in in most musical forms bass and drums that that's your that's your uh 
rhythm that is not from a rhythm guitar. That's your beat, your backbeat, your rhythm of the song. So we're going to move along up until the 1920s. The drum solo did not exist because the modern drum kit did not exist. But in 1909, the company Ludwig patented the foot pedal. And economics forced band leaders to look for guys who could play the drum kit instead of getting all the separate, you know, snare drummer, bass drummer, tom drummer, cymbler. The drum kit played it all. That, that spawned a new era of percussion. Um... Now, if you go to New Orleans and find brass bands, they typically do not have a drum kit. They have a man with a bass drum hanging in front of them, just like a marching band, a man with the snare, maybe another bass drum or not, um, and some cymbal. And they just keep the beat and the... the uh, Bass usually is done by the tuba, and the rest of the brass do the music. Incredible brass bands in New Orleans. I'm not talking about one, I'm talking about a lot, and they're so good. The first true modern drum solo apparently was recorded in 1923 by a drummer named Baby Dodds who became a prominent drummer in the late 1920s. Now here it says a drum lift is a passage in which singing is backed only by the drums and no other music. Is that a solo or is it just a shuffle along? It is not normally considered a solo as the primary focus is the singing. However, it does bear a similarity to a solo. The drum lift may be Improvised, simple, or elaborate, and may vary in length from part of a line to an entire verse. Here we are again. Uh, Led Zeppelin's drummer John Bonham recorded what may be the longest drum solo of 30 minutes in an instrumental called Moby Dick. I think it was just John Bonham. There may have been some bass in the background. I don't recall. Wow, we're already rolling to the end of the page. But what I have left for you, I found while researching instrumental solos. And I found it ridiculous, but it's real. It's a thing. It's information that has tidbits in here that are interesting, but it's all—it's almost hard to believe it's a thing. And it makes me want to think, if there were other worlds, what would life on other planets be doing to mirror what is known as the air guitar? Would they be pretending to shoot laser guns like kids playing? 
do they have music? This is something we'll, we don't know. We may not know in our lifetime. And even if we were told, would it be real if our government told us because of our government being such a clown car? But here we are. The air guitar is a form of dance and movement in which the performer pretends to play an imaginary rock or heavy metal styled electric guitar. It includes riffs and solos. I'm amazed that they're having to tell people this. Playing an air guitar usually consists of exaggerated strumming and picking motions and is often coupled with loud singing or lip singing. Air guitar is generally used in the imaginary simulation of loud electric or acoustic guitar music. It is known as musical pantomime, the mimicking of the playing of an instrument. And this mimicking musical pantomime actually originated in the 1860s where someone mimicked playing an instrument, usually when they heard the instrument. And in the 1860s, the general populace considered it a mental illness. You hear that air guitar aficionados? Your hobby stems from what was once considered a mental illness. Okay, so the popularity of the phonograph, the record player in the 1930s, led to a phenomenon known as shadow conducting, where listeners would pretend to conduct the orchestra as they listened to the music. So this air guitar thing goes way back, actually. Like way back, 140 years? Is it more than that? 160 years? Yeah. Okay, this is the interesting tidbit in this ridiculousness of air guitar. Air guitar had a seminal moment at Woodstock in 1969. When Joe Cocker, who was just a singer, was on stage... And if you know anything about Joe Cocker or how Jim Belushi, John Belushi uh, mimicked Joe Cocker's style of singing, he strange-looking guy. Well, he was up there during the song with a little help from my friends he was singing. He was mimicking the playing of the keyboard and the guitar during his performance. And this elaborate signature move and moves that he did introduce the concept of air guitar to the public. People who did, who they're professional air guitars who win contests. It, to them, it all goes back to Joe Cocker. That's interesting. Now, there's a man named Neil Kay, the founder of the Sound House, which is a heavy metal club in Kingsbury in London. And he recalls one night... In 1976, a club regular named Rob Loonhouse Yateman arrived at the club carrying a piece of hardboard, kind of like cardboard, cut into the shape of a flying V guitar, but it had no frets or strings. He, he says, quote, suddenly Rob appears in front of everyone and he starts playing this 
fake Flying V guitar along with the music solo on stage, and he's absolutely perfect. So it must have been remarkable. He went and made his own fake guitar and came in there, and he was probably wigged out on drugs. I mean, 1976, London, you show up with a cardboard guitar or hardboard guitar and nail your air guitar of the man solo playing on stage. He has a mental illness. <laughs> One of the first air guitar contests was held at Florida State University in 1978. The term air guitar, quote unquote, subsequently gained popularity in the 1980s and more contests began to be held, such as Sweden and in the United States. Since 1996, the annual Air Guitar World Championship has been held in Wulu, Finland. The first competitions were arranged as part of the Wulu Music Video Festival, but since 2011, it has been produced by Air Nest Productions Limited, which also administers the official Air Guitar World Championship Network a licensed national championship. Now, the idea of the contest was originated as a joke and was intended as a side attraction to be entertained by at this music video festival. But it became a major draw and now is its own major draw. Air, air guitar. So the air guitarist didn't write the music. This is photography to me. The air guitarist didn't write the music and doesn't have the skills to actually perform the music, but they can mimic it. Now, here's why I put that, and, and, and photographers don't like when I say that photography is, is a lesser art. If you're a photographer... And you say you make something or you build something or you paint something and then you take a photograph of it. Well, you have photographed your art. That can be art. But if you're photographing anything else, someone else's building, some other person, part of nature, you did not make that. You're just a tourist bystander looking at it, taking a camera, which you did not make, and taking photos of things. It's a lesser art. I mean, there is an art to developing film, because I took a class for that in college. And my teacher was a friend who loved my work and... He was a narcoleptic, bicycle-riding photography teacher. I remember one time we were in my friend's backyard, and you could see across the neighbor's backyard at a side street, and we saw Gerald. It was at night. We saw Gerald, his name. He's dead, sadly, but he is. Go past on his bike, and we all yelled, Gerald, and we ran to the front yard, and looked at the uh, street crossing where he would have gone across. He never came out. 
We're like, what the hell? And so we ran down there. He had just narcolepsy. He fell asleep at that moment, veered off into the viney, grassy ditch, crashed asleep. Now, he'll wake right back up. He doesn't just, he's not Rumpelstiltskin. I've seen him do it in a bar. He never did it at school. Seems like he only did it when he was drinking. Didn't have a driver's license. But his name was Gerald Barry. He was a startful staple, an excellent photographer and photography teacher. And he loved Mississippi State baseball, as do I. And he's been gone maybe five years. I don't know. He never did a guitar solo. He may have done an air guitar solo in his early days. I'd have to ask some of his friends who are still up there. He's older than me. Wow, that that tangented out like a uh, a sparkler. No, no. Like a Whistler bottle rocket when you think it's going to shoot off the way that it's leaning in the bottle or against something. But the uh, the fueled powder pop plastic nose Whistler piece on the stick is not <laughs> is not attached to the stick well, and so the force of it shooting off goes right off the stick, and it goes wherever it wants to go, depending on the head. It come right back at you, wee pop. And that, my friends, is peace. Now, a red solo cup is the best receptacle for barbecues, tailgates, fairs, and festivals. And you, sir, do not have a pair of testicles if you prefer drinking from glass. A red solo cup is cheap and disposable. In 14 years, they are decomposable. And unlike my home, they are not foreclosable. Freddie Mac can kiss my ass. Woo! Red solo cup. I fill you up. Let's have a party. Let's have a party. I love you, red solo cup. I lift you up. Proceed to party, proceed to party. Now I really love how you're easy to stack, but I really hate how you're easy to crack. Cause when beer runs down in front of my back, well that my friends is quite yucky. But I have to admit that the ladies get smitten, admiring how sharply my first name is written on you with a sharpie when I get to hitting on them to help me get lucky. Red Solo Cup, I fill you up. Let's have a party, let's have a party. I love you, Red Solo Cup. I lift you up. Proceed to party, proceed to party. Now I've seen you in blue and I've seen you in yellow, but only you, Red, will do for this fella. Cause you are the abbot into my costello And you are the fruit to my loom Here we go now. 
Red Solo Cup, you're more than just plastic. You're more than amazing. You're more than fantastic. And believe me that I'm not the least bit sarcastic when I look at you and say, Red Solo Cup, you're not just a cup. No, no, no. God, no. You're my, you're friend? my friend. 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 Yeah. Lifelong. Thank you for being my friend. Red Solo Cup. I fill you up, let's have a party.